This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. It's a great day for a podcast. Once again, here he is, John Oakley. Aaron O'Toole in leaving the House of Commons and public life uh, really had a searing indictment of social media and these various platforms for being subversive to our democracy. So we'll uh, dwell on that a little bit and see how that all comes about. You know, social media and the advance of technology is being considered to be uh, a negative as far as that's concerned. Now, where it gets interesting, this was Ted Kaczynski's supposed premise in attacking those who uh, would advance, you know, things technologically way back when, when he was identified as the Unabomber, even before he was identified. I mean, uh, a number of bombs that he had planted killed three people and wounded 23 others between 1978 to 1995. Uh, We can give you a recap here in a montage. Give a listen. A bomb exploded behind Cam's Incorporated at 270 East 9th South. 26-year-old Gary Wright pulled into the parking lot and discovered the device. It uh, closed an electrical circuit, and that circuit initiated uh, the uh, explosive material. But the motive is apparently still a mystery, buried in the mind of a dangerous man. It was on the weekend Ted Kaczynski was found uh, to be in distress, taken to the hospital where he died. By his own hand, uh, he committed suicide in a prison in North Carolina. He was serving eight life sentences for the aforementioned, uh, killed three people, and he wounded 23 others amongst them. Gary Wright, who was a survivor of the Unabomber 36 years ago, uh, February 20th, 1987, the actual date. Gary Wright has joined us here on the Oakley Show this afternoon. Gary, good to talk again. I've been, it's been a while, but uh, in the intervening years, well, let's just start with the news of Ted Kaczynski taking his own life in prison. What was your reaction to that? Yeah, it was strange, John. By the way, great to be back and talking with you again. You. Um, it was a little strange. Um, not unlike, gosh, when I found out he was arrested, it was actually the media that let me know I had been at the gym working out and my phone was ringing and going crazy and I wasn't exactly sure what it was, but, uh, yeah, I found out that way. And I guess for me, I've had a long time to process it. I knew that through Reddit and other things that he had been ill and that was, uh, what caused his transfer from Florence over to the medical prison. But, uh, I'd had some time to think about it and I guess I'd say it's just kind of a footnote in a long journey. I mean, there's been so many interesting twists to this path from, when I was injured all those years ago to now. And so, you know, people will ask, does it bring closure? Well, if I waited for closure to happen, I'd just be starting to be the person I am today. Right. Mm. So put closure behind me a long time ago. I don't really particularly like the word because I don't believe there is closure. There's just change and how you elect to embrace it or change and make yourself move forward. Over the ensuing 36 years then, what's been the toughest challenge uh, sort of uh, repairing yourself physically or mentally? Uh, By far mental. I think physical things, you're only going to heal to whatever your body lets you heal to uh, genetically as well as how hard you work at it. So those two things 
somewhat or a little bit predetermined, not the work part, but where you're going to get to. And maybe things improve over time. So, for instance, nerve damage, it's going to perhaps increase a millimeter a year or something. But the mental side of it, dealing with, you know, how do you place it? What do you do with it? PTSD, um, finding the ways that are going to put your mind at ease and help you move forward um, is probably the hardest. I will say probably the most beneficial of all, to me anyway, has been repetitive motion exercise. So, you know, cycling and other things like that. A lot of science out there now to support that. But in those days, I really didn't have a counselor assigned to me. There wasn't anyone to deal with um, PTSD. So a lot of it was self-learned. But it's been interesting to be, a, I'll call myself a guinea pig and a Frankenstein of my own, where I've been able to take my lessons and now be able to take real science and apply it to it and say, you know, I was right in a lot of ways. Gary Wright is with us, one of the uh, survivors of the Unabomber's bombing missions over the years. Uh, it was a 17-year span, and he was finally turned in by his sister-in-law and brother who recognized in his manifesto some of his ramblings uh, that he had also expressed to them. By the way, uh, if I can ask you to just capsulize here, set the context, the uh, physical injuries that you suffered when you picked up that bomb in your business's parking lot in Utah back in 87. Sure. There's about... 200 pieces of shrapnel removed um, from my body, severed ulnar nerve, uh, about a dozen surgeries, tendon grafts, nerve grafts, uh, things like that, um, as well as, uh, you know, dental, dental surgeries and facial plastic surgery stuff, but about a dozen surgeries over a period of time. And then, you know, just lots of ways to figure out how to make pieces work again. It's a remarkable story of recovery, and uh, in some great measure, uh, you helped David Kaczynski, Ted Kaczynski's brother, through all of this as well. Uh, tell us how that relationship started and to what extent uh, you ba basically became, I don't know if it was friends or good friends, but uh, you had a relationship there. How'd that come about? And David's, David's family spent all that time, money, effort investigating a hunch, right? And ultimately, it played out to be a reality that Ted was the, the Unabomber. And when they would always appear on media or whatever, they apologized to families. And so he reached out. Um, it was a difficult way for him to get a hold of me. Basically, they hired a private investigator to find me. But um, he reached out to apologize. And over time, we kind of build a relationship. And through that, I would say more like a brotherhood. We've spent probably... Oh, I don't know, many thousands of hours behind a windshield now and uh, presented on programs and at different institutions probably a hundred times. So I always looked at things with friendships, like I'm always looking for people of quality. So they did the right thing. They actually are very empathetic, huge um, decision on their behalf to turn someone in. But like they said, you know, they had no choice and it's what they elected to do. So uh, it does, it's not like it happens overnight. It's not like it's for everyone either, but at the same time, great family and one person in a family doesn't define the family. As you say, though, turning someone in who easily could have been put to death, uh, facing the death penalty, uh, but he did fire his lawyer and changed his plea to a guilty one to avoid that. But uh, any idea how David, his brother, felt about that, turning in his brother who could have been executed? Really 
it, it was it was gut wrenching for him. He said he knew uh, that when the law changed after the Oklahoma City bombing to be death penalty, that he would, could be sending his brother to death. And he really, really was afraid of it. Um, he did it before he had informed his mother. So he had to tell his mom that he'd turned him in and uh, wrestled with it for a while. But I think became very resolute in the fact that he saved lives to the best of his ability, wished he could have saved more. Um, but he, he became, he and Linda both became very resolute in their decision. And it's, it's just much appreciated by me. You still in touch with David Kaczynski? Yeah, we talk, uh, we talked a week ago, Sunday, actually. Mm. Um, we stay in touch and I get to see him occasionally. It just depends. He's a busy guy and, um, I tend to be a little bit too, but yeah, we still see each other and, and chat when we can and, um, make plans, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's odd talking, you know, that close to when Ted actually passed that, uh, it was less than a week. And your life, uh, has been changed, I guess, irrevocably 36 years ago, but, uh, you seem to have come through the ordeal, uh, you know, in, uh, intact. Now I'm kind of curious because, uh, at the same time, I understand you're launching next month, a podcast called chaos unraveled, uh, your episode here that, uh, you know, you've survived and as a consequence, you've come through and processed all the information and so on and so forth. Is that informing your podcast then? Yeah, there's uh, so I'll have pieces of myself. I've pre-recorded some stuff with David as well, but the way I look at it is there's chaos everywhere in the world, right? Mm. It doesn't matter. It's kindergarten, driving, sports, all of those things. I think the important thing is what lessons do people learn or what can they share and how do we apply them to life? Because in my case, I know I have four or five, I think, pretty key points that I think could benefit um, if someone is open to it. But take a, an event like a cycling championship, Tour de France. What happens in that peloton and how did one of the champions apply that to their life as they moved forward? Or there's a, a young man I want to interview that was bitten by a great white, white shark. And I mean, amazing story, but he's out surfing again like a year later. I don't know how you apply that, but I want to know. Well, how do you apply it? I guess that would be my exit question. As a psychological survivor, how have you survived psychologically? We talked about, you know, the physical stuff. Uh, I mean, it's been a long, arduous ordeal, but, and the the flashbacks, do you still have flashbacks or, you know, recount uh, what happened in that parking lot uh, all those years ago? Um, I don't necessarily have flashbacks. I mean, there are thoughts. I mean, even when Ted passed, I mean, there's thoughts. But um, I guess the biggest part for me, John, was I had to reposition something. And the repositioning of it, I mean, it has a little bit to do with forgiveness, but I think it's all so about life. And it was caring and loving myself enough that I wasn't going to let other people see me as less than what I could become or what, you know, what I was as a person. And I Sorry, Gary, go ahead. We broke up for a second. Um, I didn't want to be seen as an angry person or someone who couldn't pass good things on to my kids, uh, that sort of thing. So that part was super important to me. And I guess I lived on that philosophy that, you know, some things are going to be outside my control, but others, I'll just do the very best I can with what I've been given and what I have. It's a remarkable story. Uh, you are a survivor. Gary Wright survived the Unabomber's attack in Salt Lake City on the 20th of February back in 87. David Kaczynski, uh, or rather uh, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, 
died from suicide uh, in North Carolina in prison uh, on the past weekend. Uh, Gary, I really appreciate your contextualizing things for us this afternoon. All the best to you going forward. Thank you, John. I appreciate you having me on. Have a great day. You got it. Listen to The John Oakley Show live each weekday afternoon from 3 until 6. If you live in the Toronto area, just turn that AM dial to 640 and listen anywhere on Earth 24 hours a day by going to 640toronto.com. Follow on Twitter at AM640Oakley. You've been listening to A Curious Cast. New podcasts and shows are debuting all the time. So check back often to see what's new in the Curious Cast Library.